welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read a double portion of the Torah. We read Aharet Mot and Kedoshim. And today we're going to be talking about a very, very interesting uh, ritual that was that used to take place in the times of the Mishkan and the Beit Hamikdash in the day of Yom Kippur. And this was a service that was done by the Kohen Gadol uh, for the Jewish people so they could atone for their sins on Yom Kippur. So we see this is the, we're talking about the service of the scapegoat, the Azazel. Uh, in these times, they used to bring two goats to the temple that were very similar one to the other. They had to be very, very similar. And one was chosen, the Kohen Gadol, in this case, Aaron HaKohen, he would take lots and he would choose one of these goats, would go to be sacrificed and the other goat would be taken to the wilderness and let free. Usually this goat would just fall off a cliff and die. So this is a very, very foreign concept to us. This, is, this, this, this uh, portion of the Torah is read every Yom Kippur. This is part of the service of Yom Kippur. And it's very bewildering and very um, unsettling. It's not like, it's, it sounds like from another, like a, from another tribe, not the Jewish people, but it happens to be that it's something that the Jewish people were commanded to do in the times of the Mishkan and the temples. So nowadays this sacrifice is completely foreign to us. We just uh, read, uh, we read about it in the Torah portion and in Yom Kippur it's part of the prayer, but uh, it actually has an exceptional uh, deep concept into it. So from the book of Rabbi Itzhak Ginsberg, The Inner Dimension, uh, he explains <clears throat> that, the, that in these times, this sacrifice, unlike other sacrifices, banished the scapegoat, the, to banish the scapegoat, um, and that it didn't have to be executed by the Kohen. It is permitted even by a regular Jew, like it didn't even have to be the Kohen Gadol at the time, the one that would do this service, it could be any Jew. But it, in those days, the Kohen Gadol was the one that did it. And the Jerusalem Talmud states that the goat did not always die, but it would sometimes uh, escape to the desert and would be like a wild animal in the desert. Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra states clearly that the goat that it banished is not a sacrifice. So this is not a, a sacrifice. The one that was put in the altar and it was sacrificed, this one was a, a korban. But this one is not considered a korban. It's not considered a sacrifice. If the scapegoat is not a sacrifice, sacrifice, then what is it? Like it's a very strange thing that they bring these two goats. Imagine the, the Imagine it in your mind. They bring these two goats, the, the coin draws the lots, one goes to his death and the other one is thrown into the wilderness. So why did the atonement of Yom Kippur depended on this, um, on this ritual? So there is a, a list of religious acts uh, enumerated by the sages that are questioned, that are questioned uh, by the non-religious world, by the non-Jewish world, they're weird, they're strange. And this scapegoat is one of them. It, it's a very strange story. So banishing the goat seems similar 
to the acts of the idol worshippers of those times uh, that, that are described later in this portion. And they shall no longer slaughter their sacrifices to the satyrs after which they stray. And the Hebrew word for satyr, which is seer, and he goat is identical. So clearly God did not command us to sacrifice the goat to some imaginary demon. This is not the idea of it. Uh, we, we don't worship other gods. Uh, for us, Hashem is everything. Um, and so let's see what this really very enigmatic portion of the Torah really comes to teach us today in 2023, uh, how can it be something that is really um, uh, practical to our lives? Because the Torah is not something that is of the old times, it's something that is relevant to us today. And if it's something that we read every year in this parasha and that we pray, that's part of the prayer service in, in Yom Kippur, it's because it is relevant to us today too, in a spiritual sense. So in his commentary, the Ibn Ezra left the cryptic hints regarding the nature of the scapegoat. Uh, Nachmanides, who is the Ramban with an N, not Rambam with an M, but Ramban, somewhat apologetically deciphered his riddles. He used to decipher the riddles of uh, Ez Ibn Ezra, and he explains that this goat is a gift from God to the minister who rules over places of destruction. We bribe the powers of evil so that they too will advocate for the Jewish people. And therefore, explains Nachmanides, the, the scapegoat is initially brought before God and its fate is sealed by a divinely ordained lottery. And this teaches us that we are not serving the unholy forces, but doing God's will. So it's in the Jewish religion, which it's something that I found that is really unique about uh, the Torah, comparing it to other uh, ways of thought or other ways of, of serving God is that for the Jew, really, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Ehad. Listen, Israel, the same God that is infinite is the same God that is uh, hiding in nature. Uh, Hashem Ehad is one and the same. We don't believe that there's different forces separate from God. We don't believe that there's and things that control the world that are separate from Hashem. Other faiths do believe in that duality in the world. They believe there's a, a good force and there's a bad force. But the Jewish religion is very precise in explaining that the Yetzer Hara, let's say, let's call it, it's a demon, the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, it's something that people have within themselves. It's really not something that is separate from God. It's something that comes from God. And so this concept is really important to understand that all the negativity of the world, everything that is negative, doesn't come from something external. It comes from God himself. So for those who view the Torah from a rational perspective and wish to escape from any whiff of Torah secrets, they don't, they're not into these mystical types of ideas, uh, this explanation is not gonna be easily digested. The scapegoat remains exceptional. What is meant by bribing the evil forces, what it means is that, and especially on, on Yom Kippur, on that day that people are atoning, what it means is that really 
we have this this yetzer hara let's call it this this let's call the demon the every person has it some people manifest as anger other people it manifests as depression other people it manifests as impatient other people can manifest it as uh, jealous or envious these character traits are you can call them demons because they take over a person and they the person cannot be who he really is and he acts out out of these character traits so the hasidic masters translate the secrets of the torah into psychological terms they give it a more normal way of understanding and this lends them practical significance in our service to god and there is a saying of the Baal Shem tov that is cited that he says there is no righteous man on earth who does good and doesn't sin it doesn't exist it doesn't exist that a person is gonna come to this world for god willing 120 years now every day people are living longer or more and he's not gonna do things that go against hashem's will maybe he'll say something to someone that hurt his feelings maybe he ate something he shouldn't have eaten maybe he skipped learning torah today that's also considered going against hashem's will it, it doesn't have to be something active it can be something passive but in the way in what it means is that the good that he does is never clear of self-interest in sin so we actually have this duality within us we have this animalistic entity within us that is called an animal soul which resides in the blood it's animalistic it's egocentric it's selfish it's instinctive it's like an animal <clears throat> so it's something that we have within ourselves so let's say a person is very kind and he's very giving and he's writing a check to give to his rabbi because they're constructing a new a room in the synagogue and they need money and he's writing the check and he's doing it really altruistically he's doing it for god he, i'm not doing this for any honor i'm not doing this to be important i'm really doing altruistically for the god's uh, sake Leshem shemaim. but internally he does feel good about it you see so it's not his fault this is the makeup it's it's the way we're we're wired to be we can't control this you do something good you you're gonna feel good because it's the it's the after effect of when you do something good so for when he does good without any evil the evil inclination provokes him when he does something that is altruistically he's doing for leshem shaman then the yetzer hara comes and he gives him a pat in the back and says you're a good person and then the ego gets inflated oh i'm such a good person so know so when the evil inclination sees that there is some evil interest in the deed he leaves him and walks away so when a person is giving that check because he wants his plaque in the door of the shul they wants everybody to know that he gave that check then the yetzer hara walks away because he doesn't need to inflate this person's ego he's already inflated so repressing or denying the evil that is inside us incites it to prove its great strength by provoking us so the more you repress it the more it's gonna bother you the more it's gonna tempt you the more it's gonna challenge you 
So the principal service of Yom Kippur is confession. The first, the most, the, the, the principal service in Yom Kippur, we go, Hatiti, Hatiti, you know, we're asking Hashem to forgive us. I sinned for this, I sinned for that. There's a whole list that you read because I was not, um, I was not, uh, I didn't honor my parents, I didn't honor my teacher, I stole, I, I slandered. There's a big list of, of, of things that we confess. Even sometimes you're reading them and you say, I didn't do this, but at the end of the day, we have to do it. We have to say it. There's a story of the Arizal, this holy, holy rabbi, that when he was doing doing Yom Kippur, he was hitting himself very hard. And the person next to him says, but, but why are you doing that? You're a saint, you're a tzaddik. You have never sinned in your whole life. And he says, well, I do it because when, when one Jew sins, it, it's like we're all sinning. Since we're part of one, we're part of, we're all connected. What one person does somewhere affects another person somewhere else. And, and it's the truth. Like you, you, you can be eating shrimps and you have all these Jews that keep Torah and keep mitzvahs and they, they don't eat any of this, but it affects them too. So throughout the day, we confess our sins, not one time, numerous times. And in our prayers on this holy day, we admit that we are a vessel full of shame and disgrace, acting with lowliness by admitting that there is a piece of evil in me. And this causes it to leave me and walk away. So this part of the service in Yom Kippur where we're confessing, we're regretting, we're feeling shame for what we're doing, we're asking God to forgive us, we're making ourselves little, we realize we're nothing, Hashem is everything. This, this, um, this is a kapara. A kapara means that the, this confession takes away bad decrees from you and this makes you pure. This brings you to become pure. So even as we're about to sincerely perform a mitzvah, we must admit that we have ulterior motives. Yes, you're gonna do a mitzvah, you're gonna do it, l'shem shamayim, you have no, you don't wanna gain anything from it, you don't want honor from it, you don't want people to know about it, you're doing for Hashem, you don't need anything in return, but ultimately, you feel good. And it's the way it's supposed to be because you're a human being, you're not a, an angel. So practically speaking, the Baal Shem Tov advises us to note the personal enjoyment that we will gain by doing the mitzvah. This is what it is, it's like, yes Hashem, I really feel very good when I do a mitzvah. I re it's, it's true, I enjoy it. So only once we have confessed that our habits are not for the sake of heaven, should we attempt to act for the sake of heaven. So if, for example, I want to get up at midnight to study Torah and to pray, I should not resolve to overcome my nature and break the evil inclination. I should think of the hot coffee that I will make for myself when I awake. Yeah, person, there's nights where it's a custom to stay awake all night learning Torah and people are ready to fall asleep and they're thinking about the coffee they're gonna have so they can stay awake. So then over a steaming cup of coffee, I will be able to concentrate without the evil inclination, interfering with my Torah story. So there's a story of um, one of the daughters of one of the Rebbes, I don't remember which one it was, but <clears throat> she used to get very, uh, very like faint-hearted when she was gonna pray in the morning because she, she usually had breakfast after she prayed. 
and uh, I don't know if it was her blood sugar went up or something or low, but she started feeling dizzy and she felt that she was gonna faint. And her father, very holy man, said, it's better that you eat to pray than you pray to eat. You know, if you don't eat, you're gonna be praying, you're gonna be thinking about what you're gonna have for breakfast the whole time you're praying. It's better, you do brahas in the morning, you do the blessings and you do the Shema, sit, have a coffee, eat some nuts, have something in your stomach, so in that way you can pray. So by doing so, I acknowledge the existence of this evil inclination and I give it its due reward. Then I'm released from its grip and I can banish it to some forsaken corner so that it will no longer disturb me. There are stories of the, of the, of the set, rabbis that they used to like tell the Yetzirah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. The, the, the stomach was growling, they were learning. Yes, 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 in two minutes I'm coming. You know, this is uh, something they do with, al with alcohol, al al Alcoholic Anonymous. This is how they go through the day. Yeah, in five minutes, in five minutes. They don't say no to the Yetzer Hara. They don't say no, I'm not gonna drink ever again because it's gonna attack them full force. So what do they do? They say, yeah, in five minutes, give me five minutes. Five minutes fast, yeah, in five minutes. And this is how they survive the whole day from five minutes to five minutes to five minutes. That way for five minutes, the Yetzer Hara is not bothering the person. So. So this advice serves as an explanation for bribing the other side on your keeper, the power of evil. The ministers who rule over the places of destruction dwells within us. It's not that the, the demons are not external, they're internal. And this is what we call the Satan. When they talk about the Satan, the Satan, it is the evil inclination. It's something that is within you, it's inside of you, it's there, it has a purpose. It's not that Hashem put us this mechanism inside to make us bad people. This is not the purpose for it. The purpose for it is that we are able to overcome it and at least control it and do what Hashem wants us to do. And in that way, we earn merit. So as we approach God to purify ourselves and to atone for all of our sins on Yom Kippur, we must not deny the existence of evil. It has its place in the world, but we should not become enslaved by it. You can control it. So we must admit that it is God who creates evil. Evil is God's servant whose task is to attempt to seduce us. This is the whole purpose. And there's a story in the, an analogy that's given by the Alter Rebbe in the Tanya that he gives this analogy of this prince that is the next in succession to be the king and, uh, and the king wants to make sure that his son is fitting to be a king. So what does he do? He hires a prostitute. He hires a prostitute to come and entice the, the prince. And this woman, she feels bad for the prince. She, she's close to him. She doesn't want him to fall. So what does she do? She hires another. She hires another friend and she tells him, Lou, I, I was hired to do this job, but I cannot do it. Can you do it for me? I'll pay you. And this other woman says, sure, but when she's gonna go and, and, and you know, and ties the prince, she feels bad. She says, no, I cannot do this too. So she hires another one and another one. By the time they hire the sixth one, that sixth one has no relationship with the, with the prince. She's completely 
doesn't care if he if he falls or he, or he doesn't fall. She even forgot why they hired her. And at the end of the day, what she knows is she has to tempt the king, the prince. So the same is the Yetzer Hara. The Yetzer Hara comes from the Klippanoga, comes from the other side. It actually comes from a very high place and it's there to just help us become the people we need to become. It is, it challenges us. It gives us opportunity for growth. So every time you're put to the test, don't think, oh, I'm gonna fail, oh, I, I can do this. Just think, okay, Hashem is testing me. This is a test. This is a test. He's testing me if I can overcome my impatience. He's testing me to see if I can overcome my anger. He's testing me to see if I can overcome my stinginess or my envy. It is a test that is put in front of you so you can choose to do what Hashem wants from you. So evil floods our consciousness from the abyss of the soul. We must turn to the bold face satire and say, Yes, you exist, kicking and headbutting us, but you have no place within me. Here, go to the desert, your natural habitat beyond settled land. Go to Azazel and leave us in peace. So that's the whole thing of this goat, this scapegoat that is thrown into the wilderness. It is, it, it carries the sins of the Jewish people because what it's carrying is the Yetzer Hara. It's carrying that evil inclination. It's running wild. Go, go, run wild. So on Yom Kippur, we take this attitude to its limit. We confess all our sins and expose all the evil. Then we banish it from the face of the earth. In this way, we become pure as the Mishnah states. A ribbon of, of scarlet wool was attached to the entrance of the temple. And when the scapegoat reached the desert, the ribbon would turn white. As it says, if your sins are scarlet, they will become as white as snow. And this is in, um, this is in, uh, in Tehillim. So to conclude there, there's a Hasidic saying that states that all is consciously, the no good, the evil inclination is in all of us. The scapegoat, scapegoat sent to Azazel is one of the temple services. Since there is no good in the world, it must be sent to the precipitous land. In our daily morning prayers, we bless He who creates everything, the three letters of everything, Hakol, Bore et Hakol, of everything, Hakol, are the initial letters of the phrase innovated by the Baal Shem Tov. Evil is the throne for good. Evil is your ticket to greatness. And so once we have overcome the forces of evil, by banishing them into the wilderness, they will transform and return to serve only to amplify God's essential goodness. So yes, we're put to the test. We all come packaged very, in very interesting ways. Everybody has their own, own package or their own toolbox. Um, we're in the middle of the counting of the Omer and, and we see the refinement of the character traits. Hashem is not telling you like, okay, get rid of them. No, but refine them, become a refined human being. If you suffer from anger, use that anger to, to fix the world. Use that energy that you have within you and use it to do good things. A, a person that suffers from anger usually is a person that has a lot of passion, has a lot of force. So don't use it to destroy people. Don't use it to destroy the world. Use it to, to build the world, to have that 
co-op, that energy, that strength to do that. If you are someone that suffers from jealousy, you're always looking at what other people have. So you know what? Use it for good. Yes, look at Torah scholars. Oh, I would love to be like a Torah scholar. I would love to be like that person that is so refined, so qualified. I, I'm gonna work to be like that. You know, use, use your, your energy to build the world, to use it for good. And in that way, you will live a little higher. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.